0: it's time for your nba fix this is the big show daily assist featuring all the latest news and insight on the association now joining the big show senior nba writer for the athletic sam amick on 97.5 1280 the zone and the zone sports network
1: Daily Assist brought to you by Lease Heating and Air. Check them out online, leaseheatac.com. Let's get out to the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. From The Athletic, he's our good friend Sam Amick. What's going on, Sam? Hello, guys. Good afternoon. Good afternoon to you. Uh, I know we have one uh, jazz game left to go, which seemingly is not going to mean much. They are going to face the Nuggets in the first round of the playoffs. Your thoughts? Well,
2: you know, it's tough to gauge. Obviously, what these seeding games mean for teams like the Jazz, where you know there wasn't a lot of jostling in the standings and incentive to give it your your all, in spite of you know, or other than good old-fashioned competition. But I mean, they can't. They certainly can't love the way that that they're going in, and you know, if they can get a W today, that would, I think, be a good idea. Um, so that series, uh, you know, I think I certainly would give the uh, the Nuggets the edge, uh, especially with Michael Porter Jr. emerging as another threat for them. And I don't know if that will continue, but it does make them interesting. Um, you know, but we'll see. I mean, I enjoyed the heck out of Donovan's, let me put the whole team on my back, double overtime, heroics the other day, except for everything but the win. So, I mean, they've had some tough moments and and a few good ones in the bubble.
0: One thing, one team the Jazz did not want to play is the Houston Rockets again, Sam. I think uh, most of the people around here would rather see the Jazz face the Nuggets than the Rockets, but there are no good choices in the West. It seems like every team is a threat, and that's true for Portland, too. If they go up against the Lakers? Oh, yeah. No, 100%. I mean, you know we don't uh as you guys
2: know it's against the rules uh in mainstream media to to root so we're not rooting here it's not a fandom thing but you know damien is a bad man and he would be fun to watch against the lakers i joked with somebody today that uh i said you know if the blazers get that eighth seed and they shock the world and they they um and nobody listening better steal my idea they uh they beat the Lakers. They, you know, they they take down the Kings of the West. I think I need to convince Damien to go on one of those little fishing boats out in Orlando and and talk about uh, what he's done as he sends the Lakers fishing into the offseason. But, you know, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. Yes, that <laughs> that matchup would be something else. I mean, what he has done the last two games, um, even if there was no drama, no no storylines, no context, it just would have been incredible basketball. But the fact that that he dropped, you know, 50, whatever it was, two games ago, 61, um, the other night after having all the the dust up with Paul George and tap everything and and then kind of his name being besmirched. I mean, it made it even better. And, you know, we'll see if he can keep it going and get those guys in there.
0: Sam, one thing, sorry to interrupt, Jake, but uh, about Damian Lillard, uh, when he was at Weber State here, I remember going and talking to his coach, Randy Ray, And he said, watch out for this guy. He is not only the most talented basketball player I've ever been around, he's the hardest worker. And I should have paid closer attention to that because, man, has he turned into that something special you were describing. Yeah, he is. It's
2: funny, and I'll probably pull this out and use it in a Damian column at some point, but I always remember, uh, and honestly, maybe I shared this story on one of our previous visits, but – The first time I met Damien was a workout uh, leading into the draft at a place called Merritt College in his hometown of Oakland, and he was doing his thing, just him and the trainer, and he was grinding super hard. And I remember right away thinking, good Lord, this young dude is, I remember he was grunting like crazy, like he was doing uh, resistance band work and just fifth gear all the way through. Um, And the, the one little funny part of the the, the story in that day that always stuck with me was his agent, same guy as now, Aaron Goodwin, wanted to show me that Damian could dunk. <laughs> like only the people who watched Weaver State games, which is I think about 6,000 in their home gym. Um, I, I think he had like 20 dunks total in his last year, but like his athleticism was one thing that nobody knew about going into the draft. But the backstory is, he had spent his whole childhood, his whole younger years, kind of perfecting the art of, of, you know, under the rim and certainly learning how to shoot. But, man, his game has just gotten better and better and better, and his makeup and his will are just on a different level. So it's fun to watch.
0: And another thing about that real quick is, you know, people have talked about luring Damian away from Portland, and he stayed pretty pretty uh, loyal there. Same thing at Weber State. Weber State was on him early and because of that, once people started to say, hey, wait a minute, this guy's really good, then other more uh, marquee-name pl- uh, programs started coming around. And Damien stayed with Weber State because they believed in him first. Uh, and that, that's that been uh, a trait that he has hung on to. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I mean, another little anecdote from that experience.
2: I remember he, he uh, and the details are fuzzy, but he shared a story about, like, some of the Weaver State time and and how he just could never get enough work in and how like you know he kind of inadvertently had shared that there was a a time period where technically the players were not supposed to be in the gym and and you can and the, the road he was going down was just like the point he was trying to convey is that I was working my backside off um, maybe even when I wasn't supposed to and then and then you could tell that he got nervous that he was going to get somebody in trouble. And then he kind of just veered off in a different direction in the conversation. But, like, you know, he is a, a an old-fashioned grinder and a guy who loves the game. And he backs it up, you know. I mean, Pat Beverly is a talker and irritant. But the stuff that Paul George had to say and trying to wave at Damien when uh, when they got the best of him that day, to uh, this point, he's, he's certainly getting the last laugh here.
1: Sam Mamick of The Athletic, your daily assist here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And Sam, we've talked a lot about you know Portland and if they get that eighth spot, what a great series that would be with the Lakers. But Gordon and I have been talking about today – All the series are great. Denver and Utah, a little Rocky Mountain rivalry, Rudy versus Jokic. I mean, there's some great storylines there. Houston, Oklahoma City, what amazing storylines there. The Clippers, great defensive team against Dallas, uh, you know, historic offensive team. We were talking about how competitively speaking, I don't think the NBA could have gotten better matchups in the Western Conference.
2: Yeah, I agree. I mean, the other day I tweeted kind of something with that sentiment, and, uh, and I listened to Twitter doesn't leave a lot of room for nuance, and so maybe I was oversimplifying it when I said that all the matchups that you talked about, I described them as, as pick 'ems, like all of them. Now, are the pick-ems in a Vegas sense, uh, in, in the betting gambling sense? No, they're not. I mean, you're going to have, you know, some legitimate favorites coming out of a few of those series, but in a basketball sense, and in a like if you if, if we uh, do a little conference call here with uh, a pro scout or a GM, um, you're not going to find anybody saying, oh, there's no way that that team could beat that team in any of these series. And I think that's what makes it fun. Uh, And and then, again, the storylines are going to be something else. But the interesting thing about Russell Westbrook having this injury that's going to at least keep him out for the beginning of that first series against OKC is that all of a sudden – I mean, you talk about storylines. It's all eyes on James Harden and Chris Paul, who, who essentially had a kind of a falling out that uh, that led to Russ coming to Houston and Chris going to OKC, and you know that'll be fun to watch. And all the way down the line, I mean, this Jazz Nuggets series um, to me, Denver and Utah are both kind of filling the same lane in the West when it comes to you know sound management, um, good culture trying to, you know, develop their young talent, combine it with veterans and and, uh, and get this thing to a, you know, not even just a good level, but to be a title contender.
0: And they're both having some struggles in that journey. And so for them, you know, this will be a, a big series. Sam, you alluded to this earlier, talking about, are we seeing the truth in the bubble? Are we, are these seeding games really revealing that much? Do you, do you put more credence in what you saw uh, over the first 60-some games of the season? Or are, are you believing what you're seeing now? It's hard to tell. I mean, I don't know that I have any more clarity
2: from the last time we chatted. If anything, I got less. I mean, the Lakers, now granted LeBron didn't play the second half, but they a very average showing in the bubble for the Lakers. Um, and, you know, that is puzzling. Uh, the Clippers are feeling great, like regardless of their outcomes. Uh, that's that's one squad that I think people are starting to say, okay, maybe that's your your champion. But you know, right in front of me right now, I've got Phoenix on the television and, and they're up 16 on Dallas. Um, I mean, the idea, like I don't care how you uh, how you spin it, the Suns going seven and 0, I guess at the 8-0 during you know if they win this game, that's crazy. That's just you know that's insane. They they had stretches of the year where they went eight weeks without getting any wins you know um so i don't know what's really what's not but i do think it's been fun you know there's, there's been a healthy amount of meaningless games and that's not great and, and, the, and the ratings are not quite what they were hoping they would be but um a lot of excitement a lot of breakout stars i mean the tj warren stuff with the pacers and devin booker uh you know we talked about dame but um you know we knew we knew the lebrons and the Giannis. and and even the Donovans and the Rudys, people like that. that has been kind of neat to see these other guys get some shine, too.
1: Sam Amick with us here on 97.5 and 12 of the zone. Sam, with the people you talk to, what's the story with uh, Alvin Gentry and his future with the Pelicans?
2: I mean, there's a little bit of a mixed bag. I'd be surprised if he was back. Um, but that being said, it's hard to handicap things right now around the whole league because of – some of the business financial stuff that's going on. And, you know, it's just teams are getting decimated by, you know, not, I mean, certainly playing in Orlando is better than not playing at all, but you're still playing with no fans. Um, it's a, a pretty exorbitant cost to put this whole bubble together in Orlando. So the numbers still just don't add up. And that is going to come into play with some of these personnel decisions that Are uh, kind of being talked about. So with Alvin, you know, he's got a year left on his deal for more than five million dollars. And Gail Benson, the Pelicans owner, uh, now is is somebody who definitely thinks very highly of Alvin. Um, But you know, the noise and the intel regarding Dave Griffin, you know, their VP of uh, Executive VP of Basketball Ops, and the way he sees the coaching situation, I I would be surprised if Alvin is back, but. Um, you know, certainly not ready to to say that that's 100% yet.
0: Speaking of coaches, Sam, who do you think is going to get that coveted Mets head coaching position what with Kyrie and uh, Kevin Durant in the stable there? You'd think that uh, they might have a chance to do some good things next year.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, the players hate when we when we do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. I mean, it's to a degree, it's a little bit of a like, well, it's who Kevin Durant wants to be the coach, is going to be the coach, you know? And it's it's funny, right? Because like stars and, you know, elite players, they hate it when the media puts big choices on them, except that it's nothing more. It's a reflection of the, of kind of the power and the influence that they've, you know, that they've earned through their talents and the fact that they put butts in sheets during normal times. Um, it's hard. You can't really parse that out and separate that from the reality that, yes, on a coaching decision, those types of players are going to have something to say. And especially for an organization like the Nets, I would compare it to the Clippers from the standpoint of when Kawhi Leonard said that he would go to the Clippers, all of a sudden, you know, like if if Kawhi just didn't matter what he asked for, he was going to get it out of the Clippers because they are a perennially – underperforming franchise that was ecstatic to have him as part of their program. And that same logic would apply to Brooklyn, to the Nets, you know, Brooklyn and and, and even before New Jersey. So we'll see. Jacques Vaughn's got a good shot at it. Um, uh, He must be giving a cut or something to Jamal Crawford because Jamal keeps tweeting that Jacques should be the guy and that he's amazing. And so Jamal's obviously as a guy who's just a, a vet and has a good read on things. That got my attention, that Jamal is obviously a really big fan of Shotgun. But they're going to conduct a search, and uh, there's going to be a process here, and we'll see who ends up getting it.
1: Sam Amick of The Athletic with us in 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Players, uh, Sam, are going to be able to have guests after the first round, and I think we all got a little bit of a chuckle out of the lawyer basically saying you can uh, bring in uh, people you're familiar with, but no Tinder dates. Uh, what do you think about this crazy world we're in where we're, we're talking about how good of a relationship somebody has to have to come into the bubble?
2: Well, not only that, but this is the family part of my brain kicking in, like you get one ticket, for the game per person. Uh, but you can have it added to with a child, but the child's got to be 32 inches or below. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like feels like where you go, to the ironically you go to the amusement park and it's like, Oh, you know, you, you, your kid can't go on this roller coaster because they're not 48 inches yet. You know um, I don't know if they're going to be measuring kids at the door or how they do this, but lots of weird rules. Uh, yeah. The, I mean, it is a good chuckle on the other front, Jake. It's also just like this. I mean, believe me, this has been something that people talk about in earnest within the bubble and around the bubble when you talk about just a bunch of grown men who made a choice, the ones who were going to be there until the finals, you know, and made a choice to go uh, to a controlled environment for up to three months. And, you know, for a single guys, that cuts off any love life they have going at home. You know, married guys, you're away from your wife. You know, no family can come in after the first round. But um, it's a real thing, you know what I mean? And But you don't have to be a rocket scientist to read between the lines on the way they set up the rules and to get a sense of, of what they're trying to avoid here in terms of, you know, who might come in on the inside.
0: Along those same lines, uh, Sam, and you're going to you're heading off to the bubble here pretty soon. Do you think the guys have been on the up and up there in that bubble? Or do you think there have been some shenanigans as far as smuggling people in and whatnot?
2: First of all, Gordon, it's been way too long since I heard you use shenanigans. So that was <laughs> a, a nice trip down memory lane. Um, I don't, you know, I, I think they've been, I mean, it's hard because I'm not there, but I think for, you know, I have no reason to believe they haven't been mostly on the up and up. Uh, you know, I have heard a few stories that kind of make you a little, um, a, just a little confused regarding, you know, like, oh, okay, so this player, and this is within the bubble for sure, but like went from this part of the bubble to this other part that where I didn't think they would be going and, you know, and, and connecting with uh, you know whether it's a media member or something like that. Like in the media circles, I've heard a few of those stories, and even executives too, to be honest. Like somebody looks out at the pool and sees you know um, this executive with with uh, that reporter, and kind of goes, "Wait," I, I thought. I thought we had to stay at our own hotels. So, um, but I can't really speak on that because, again, not being there. They might. The rules might have evolved since they established them in the beginning. I mean, the stuff you're talking about, I think, is it's more of the Lou Williams type stuff. You know, did you do anything that was not advisable? Uh, you know, uh, now he was obviously excused to leave the bubble, but going to that gentleman's club was not like, the smartest thing to do. Um, Rashawn Holmes getting his takeout food and going a little too far to get it outside the boundaries, that was an innocent mistake. Um, it would certainly be awesome to uh, to kind of hack into the snitch line and find out what other sorts of, you know, reports have come through. But in terms of what I know, uh, you know, I think there's probably a reason that they're getting all these negative tests, and that's a good thing so far.
1: Sam Amick with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, last thing from me, Sam, I saw the uh, the podcast you were teasing us with last week did uh, come out a couple of days ago and you told us Joe Ingalls uh, was going to be part of it, and but you did not tell us that uh, Bill Orem and Kyle Goon were going to be part of it and I admittedly have <laughs> not had a chance to listen to it yet. I was hoping you got some really good dirt on Gordon Monson in the podcast. Oh,
2: please. Oh, man, I got I got zilch. I got nothing on Gordon. I dropped the ball there i was man i'm in a you know i was shooting air balls because i mean it, it was a good pod good conversation but the one other mistake i made was that kyle when we recorded the pod i knew that he had been fishing and that you know that was something that we talked about so we had a little fun talking about his fishing skills well then right when we finished the pod I look at the Instagram feed of Rachel Nichols who he had gone fishing with as part of their group and she puts up this fantastic video of Kyle grabbing a largemouth bass in like the least manly way possible and and, and with his index finger you know going in first which any fisherman knows it's got to be his thumb first and he and so then he doesn't know what he's doing and he drops the thing and it <laughs> literally Bounces off the boat and into the water. <laughs> 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 and so I, I was uh, disappointed that I hadn't seen that video before we had the pod because we would have had fun with that. But you know those guys are great. Obviously they got Salt Lake City roots, and and uh, we had a good time chopping it up.
0: Sam, having covered the league all these years, uh, do you have you developed good associations, good friendships with guys uh, who who cover the league as well?
2: Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I'm always. That's been one of my favorite parts of the job. Is it? uh, It sounds corny, but it's true. But it is a fraternity uh, among you know men and women who do this. And I mean, this this idea certainly applies to a lot of different jobs. But it's just one of those very specific jobs where it's um, you know if you don't do it for a living and if you don't kind of live it so to speak, every day, and I'm talking specifically about the writing side, the, the process of reporting and relationships and information and storytelling and, and constantly pursuing, um, whether it's, again, the information or, or just like an angle or a concept and always trying to do something that is different and that kind of sets your work apart, like that's a, a universal shared experience with everybody who does it and you know, it is kind of an art where you try to learn from one another and respect one another. So, yeah, I mean, I've got a ton of friends in the business. I joke with my wife all the time that like, because it's so, uh, kind of, it's a 24 seven reality existence. Like a lot of my best friends on the planet are people that my wife has never met, uh, <laughs> just because I see them on the road and, and things like that. Now, Bill, to his credit, uh, Bill crosses over into a threshold where, you know, he actually uh, he popped into our, not into our house, he was in our backyard socially distanced. But Bill stopped by a few weeks ago, in fact, and he's a good friend that, that she's gotten to know. But it's, it is is definitely a, a highlight of doing this job.
1: Well, Sam, we appreciate you taking your time each and every week to, uh, to join us. It's always great. We always appreciate your perspective. You got it, guys. Appreciate it. Talk to you next week. Thanks, Sam. Our friend Sam Amick from The Athletic here on 97.5 and uh, 1280 The Zone. Sam, always uh, insightful, and uh, we always enjoy having him on. He's the best.